brought to you by On Deck Integrated Communications and Warren Music Pro, Jason. What up? How you doing? I'm, I'm shy today. No, you're not. I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm shy, Jason. You're really not <laughs> shy, Ronnie. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, we were, like as usual, we hung out all day before we finally get to do this. And you imagine, like, all of a sudden we hit record and I just become this, like, really shy guy. Hi. Oh, no. It's one of my favorite SNL things, Shirani. Oh, my God. They used to call you Shirani in high school, and I remember. They still do. Um, Listen, we have a job to do. Stop putzing around. Wow. You went from shy to aggressive. In a heartbeat. Word. Tubesy. Jason, it's the holiday season. Oh, that's not a holiday song. No, not at all. <laughs> There's nothing about not Christmas ha- trees in there. Christmas <laughs> trees. <laughs> yes, the holidays. It doesn't really feel like it most of the time, which sucks. I know. The weather is like now officially cold, which helps a little bit, and people have lights up. So, Except for yesterday when it was like 65 again. Yeah. Yeah. The you, uh, early winter in New Jersey is not what it was. Yeah, it's weird. It's a very strange. But lights are up. By the time people are listening to this, it'll probably be like February. But word. Um, it's nice to sit down and talk with you. I wish I could say the same. Oh, snap a lappage. And that was so. our eighth episode. All right. See you. Bye. So great. I'm keeping you shorter. Click. Yeah. Wow, great. That felt good. All right. That felt All right. good to yeah. me. Did you feel yeah. good? Yeah. Is it, can are, we just, we, are we still on? Shyla, can you fact check that episode for us? <laughs> Shyla. <laughs> I don't know why Shyla, but. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, that's because Buford got fired. So. Yeah. Ever since I don't, we got rid of Buford. I don't want to get into that on air because it gets yeah. kind of nasty. Shyla, stop eating the cable. Well, you know. In terms. Okay. Well. <laughs> I guess since we're done with the episodes, might as well just chat. You know you what know? I want to chat about? What's that? I don't know. To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. To Pimp a Butterfly. You, do you mean Kendrick Lamar? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I, try not to pronounce his name wrong. I know. A lot sorry. of people call him Kendrick Lamar. That's why I wanted to do this off air when this wasn't recording was yeah. because I was unsure. So. Well, it's a good thing. This is, you know, we, we got the episode done. Now we can just talk about Keen Drake Lamar. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been really excited to talk about this fella as well. This is our first hip hop discussion that we've had so far. That's true. Which I'm very excited about. And one thing that we have been conscious of is that we want to pick older artists and modern artists and make sure we mix it up accordingly. So this is fun. We've kind of the past few weeks been volleying back and forth where it was like older, newer, older, newer. So yeah, we are back into the modern scene a little bit. True. True Dizzle. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to this because it brought me back to a conversation that we previously had. And I had said a couple of times on this podcast that I felt like I was born in the wrong decade, but not yeah. by that much. Like I should have been in my adolescence during like the early nineties and when grunge was coming up. Cause I'm so magnetically drawn to those bands. Yeah. Um, and it kind of bums me out that like the signature sound, all the nostalgia moments for the most part that I have that bring me back to my adolescence is pop punk, which isn't like, the most artistic genre there is. <laughs> if you are going to talk about genres, um, it, it nothing that pushed any needle forward really. Like it's all 
So OneNote and uh, cheesy, I think is fair to say. I don't even know if pop punk musicians would argue with you that it's somewhat cheesy. Yeah. So, and you. I don't think it out. you're in that genre if you're not in it for the money. At that point, I mean, I I don't, I don't think there's anybody <laughs> passionately writing pop punk music thinking that they're going to change the world or anything like that. So I mean, I but you right. did save <laughs> me. You did bring up the point that a lot of um, good hip hop. Hip hop has really um, grown tremendously over the past. I was I was saying fifteen to twenty years, but you. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious it happened in the in their late eighties, early nineties. Early nineties, yeah. yeah. And, and it just exploded and has certainly continued to evolve a lot more than most other genres since then. Definitely, and uh, we've talked ad nauseum about genres and everything getting so subdivided. And one thing that we love about hip-hop is it didn't subdivide like there's certainly categories within itself of you want to talk socially conscious or whatever but um like we didn't have to just call it something other than hip-hop it just let itself happen and has grown not only tremendously in the depths of how it's evolved but it's kind of taken over popular music right now like that's that's probably had a, a really big stronghold on I'll say mainstream music so that we don't get into like genre discussions again. But certainly, I mean, if you look at I'm pretty sure if we went to the top 10 Spotify plays or albums right now, I would venture a guess that probably at least eight out of those top 10, if not 10 out of those top 10 are hip hop. Sure. You know, I know Drake is usually eight of those 10, (laughs) Um, but um, and it's interesting because uh yeah, it brings up the point that you said. And you know what's interesting? You were talking about being a teen, uh, you know, in the early 90s, which I was. <clears throat> You're super <laughs> old, is what I'm trying to say. But when I hear, um, when I heard Kendrick for the first time, to me, one of the things that first appealed to me was, to me, it was reminiscent because you and I have talked about this. A lot of times people talk about the early 90s as grunge. And it's like, that's not what it was. There was just one aspect. One of the things that was amazing about that time period was the hip hop. And, you know, there was Biggie and there was uh, there was Tupac and it was Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and just all these different all these different flavors of, of hip hop. And there was a band called Tribe Called Quest. I don't know if you remember them or if you're familiar with them. But like they were like this really uh, it was like this. It was like one of the most organic hip hop sounds I had ever heard. It was like this really stripped down, like sort of bass and drums with um, almost like this brilliant spoken word over it. Tribe Called Quest was a really cool and underrated 90s hip hop band that, by the way, I was lucky enough to see live in in concert somewhere around 93, 94. Um, but that vibe, that like sort of organic, um, like where it's like, I almost feel like I'm in the room with the band and I'm just kind of tapping my knee as everybody else is like, you know, playing their instruments and rapping or whatever. Like that was one of the first things that I heard on this record when I first heard this is I was like, wow, this is giving me like that vibe of being back, you know, in 93, listening to Tribe Called Quest and 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 digging on it. And, like, to go back to kind of 
early 2000s, eh, even kind of later 2000s, I guess, there was also, you know, it, it was up and coming a little bit. And there was, as always, this need to sterilize it. So there's some songs that I think of, of like when I was in college or whatever at like dumb frat houses where I'm like, oh, that was such a bummer because there was also all this amazing hip hop that was going on at that time that wasn't like auto-tuned popping bottles at the club stuff. We've had like so much more depth to it. Um, and Kendrick, I feel like, just did this amazing job of, I don't know, that was a really pivotal album to me of of staking claim in the quality of what was coming out. I feel like it it was monumental in creating momentum towards like this style where not, it wasn't as sterile, where everything was like had more weight and meaning and creativity behind it. So this is one that is always a stake in the ground for me in that regard too, was I was like, I think we got away from some of the stuff that was like, it's hip hop, but we're going to, we're going to cut his legs out underneath with like some really lame pop stuff. <laughs> this is just yeah. an awesome album from front to back. Well, it's funny, you know, uh, it, much like I always thought of, um, you know, of tribe called quest. What I would say is something that I notice from Kendrick is a passionate and uh, appreciative and loving connection to African-American culture. Um, And I think that if you're a musician at all um, and you live in America then if you don't realize that the African-American um, contribution to music dating back to slavery is absolutely the single most important aspect of our fundamentals and traditions, um, then you're crazy. You know, I mean, and, you know, it's interesting that you said, you know, stepping away from that. And you're absolutely right. Early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, you had a lot of these sort of organic. You had bass and drums with people doing sort of spoken word. And, you know, there was gangster rap and that was fun. And there was party rap and that was fun. Um, but even there was a wittiness, you know, like you look at Snoop Dogg, 99 percent of his stuff was either parties or or, or uh, it, mostly partying. But like, you know, there was a wittiness. There was a there was a uh, there, there was a just the, the choice of words and, and the way he delivered everything. It was so um, it was it was so unique. Yeah. Um, and I do agree that after a while it started to get this thing where there was like too much sort of generic standard pop um, uh, qualities infused into this hip hop. And then you look at Kendrick and. You know, in a lot of ways, and I wonder if this is why I, you know, we were talking about this before. I mean, a lot of, I, I heard he made his own samples. So he wanted like, you know, sort of 70s funk happening on some of these tracks. So instead of going back to some old funk records and sampling, which is what everybody does, um, he, you know, he had, he had a, a, a hot band go in and just record and they took samples from that. And I thought that was really, really cool because... He's still using the samples, which has become traditional. But I love the fact that he has this devotion to um, creativity and to unique uh, qualities 
Um, so much to the point where even though he wanted a retro thing, he felt that it was more important to recreate it um, mo- in a modern way and and then use it as a sample and work over that. Um, and when I listen to his stuff, I hear jazz, I hear blues, I hear R&B, I hear, I mean, everything that is black, everything that we know dating back to, like I said, slave times um, is is so inherent and... You know, um, it, it 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 it's just it just makes it, it just makes it this thing that is to me so natural, you know. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I think not to say to my earlier comment, like that was just what was so prevalent in the mainstream. I feel like Outcast does it really well. I feel like the Roots do it really well. Like it's definitely out there, but there was something about the mix on this album meaning the actual mix of the writing not like mixing and mastering (laughs) that uh just from front to back really hooked me and to have done pink floyd last week and to do this this week is so cool to me because there's so many moments where there's just these walls of sound that are so cool um and we'll we'll get into that a little bit but we should also note that dr dre was a producer on this album as well yeah never heard of him dr dre yeah, never heard of him. He's a doctor. He's um, not like literally a god to me or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, just unbelievable. I can't even get into it, but I, in preparation for this, looked up his discography of things he's produced, and it's just insane from the late 80s to today, essentially. Like, what yeah. he's, anything he's gotten his mitts on is just so ridiculous. Um, if he isn't recognized 50, 100 years ago as, possibly the solely responsible person i mean he didn't write it all he didn't he didn't perform it all but it's like you almost can't trip into a famous hip-hop artist over the last 30 years without going oh there's some sort of some sort of connection to dre sure it's it's absolutely incredible and this is my favorite little thing i saw recently uh, within the last couple of years, there was some sort of documentary. I'm trying to remember. I don't exactly remember what it was about. But, the, oh, uh, I don't fully remember. I just started to remember, but I don't want to piece it together. It's not a good idea. Even though we're not doing the podcast anymore and we're just chatting. Yeah. I still, with my conversation with you, I don't want it to be broken up. No, you know, of course. Like that. Yeah. So I'll keep it very organized. Even though the red light is off. it's like Well, of course, still, we're not recording. You're informing me. Yeah, it's all it's all over. <laughs> Um, but it was a documentary, uh, not about Dre, but Dre was in it often. And one of my favorite things, and I was so not surprised, but I was so glad that this is what he chose to do for this, uh, particular interview, right? They were interviewing him and he's asking all these questions about, you know, and and they were talking about him early on. Um, and they were talking a lot about him working with Eminem. Um, but he started off the introduction to this scene is he's sitting at his piano in his house and he's playing Chopin. And I was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, everybody wonders, you know, and you and I, I mean, I talk about this still in purple, you know, the talent thing and, 
you know, how people get to where they get and things like that. And, you know, Dre is a guy that can play Chopin. He could play some Copeland. He could probably play any pop song ever written. And the guy, the guy could play not and you know, he's not even known for that. He's known as rapping and he's known as producing. Uh, a lot of times people don't realize that a lot of production specifically with hip hop, a lot of times the producers, the guy who wrote, you know, they call it making beats, which I don't really like. Cause you would call Bec- it writing music. Because it's com- composition. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like it, if I'm just making a beat, it's, I don't know. It sounds, um, trite. I don't know. It sounds, it, 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 it sounds like your role is sort of decimated. Like, you know, Oh, you know, he made the beat. Yeah. It's, it's undervaluing the contribution. I feel like in, in a lot of ways that, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, he wrote all of the music that inspired that rapper to even do that over that. <laughs> so since you brought up the <clears throat> naughty T word, let's talk about how natural talent is not a thing and that a natural proclivity to hard work definitely is. <laughs> well, that's, you know, what's interesting. That's a very interesting, I've never heard anybody say that the way you said it. That is great because that's the reality. If you can't do this and you want to, it's not because you don't have the talent. It's because you're fucking lazy and you don't have, like you said, the natural proclivity to hard work, you know? And wow, that's, I'm going to remember that. Because that is fantastic. You know, people use the word talent and, you know, you and I have talked about that a million times because I hate when people say that. I hate when people say about, especially when they say it about students of mine. Because I watched them and I watched them at five years old crying at the keyboard because they can't play what to me would be the simplest thing in the world at this point. And the only reason why I'm the right person to be in that room is because I was at one point that kid sitting there crying because I couldn't play the simplest thing in the world. And it's not like the kid doesn't realize that it's the simplest thing in the world. What they're realizing at that point is, holy shit, this is going to be really hard. And, you know, when somebody says to somebody how talented they are, right, they have to remember what the definition of talent is. Um, In my word, talent is what I like to call a unicorn. Um, it, you know, the, the definition, definition of talent is basically that you are born with this, like you said, uh, what was the word that you used for, oh, the, uh, proclivity, um, you know, this proclivity to play the piano, uh, perfectly or rap insanely or whatever it is. We love it with vocals. Like, oh, they just... Like if pitch is intuitive to you or something that like, yeah. oh, they just, oh, they're so naturally yeah, they're talented. So talented. And what I notice, and it's interesting because if there are any parents out there with, with, uh, with child students, I'm going to say something to you guys. When you were talking about another ch- uh, parent's child and calling them talented, here's what you're actually avoiding. You're avoiding the reality that your son or daughter is not working as hard as that other kid is. <laughs> and how do we avoid that? By saying, oh, Jesus, well, that kid's just talented. So and- you then can imagine that that kid sits home and plays video games and wastes all his time, too. But then just 
happens to be able to walk over to the piano and play Tchaikovsky with his eyes closed. No, no, no. That kid practices. He practices. And this is so funny because we were just having this conversation 45 minutes ago or so. I think a lot of people can think, oh, well, talent includes that hard work. And you said, no, then then you're skilled. And I loved that. Yeah. There, there is a distinction between talent and skill. Yeah. Talent, like I said, it's it's it, it, it's just a, it's it's a unicorn. It doesn't exist. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I've even heard people use the word savant. Well, what about savants? Do you know why those savants play piano like that? Because part of their illness is that they're obsessive. So the reason why you meet a savant who seems like they might not be able to have a conversation, but they can play an entire Beethoven sonata by memory, is because they spent thousands of hours obsessing, sitting at the piano. That obsession was one of the reasons why the, the parents brought him to the doctor and said, there's something wrong with this kid. He won't leave the piano. Yeah. So once again, you know, even the savant thing, when people are like, oh, well, you know, I know this kid who can sit down and play any Beatles song, uh, I don't know, straight from memory, and he sings it, you know, they always say with perfect pitch, and he sings it with perfect pitch, and he plays it with perfect rhythm, and he does all this stuff. Yeah, that dude sits there and plays piano all day. That's all he does. (laughs) And, you know, and that's, you know, that is, you know, and I've worked with many, 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 many autistic uh, or children of uh, children and adults on all uh, different levels of the spectrum. And I will say that, like, almost uh, invariably, when I find out a child is on the spectrum, I know there's going to be some challenges. But A, I feel like those challenges are more on me than they are on them. Um, uh, that's number one. And number two, I feel like, um, and I've never been let down, they're going to be a good student. If I treat them like any other kid, um, they're going to, they're, they're either going to obsess or they're not. And if they obsess, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be crazy off the charts. Yeah. Uh, well, I it certainly seems like Dre is someone that has obsessed <laughs> when you look at his catalog and things like that, where you say that documentary opened with him playing Chopin. It's like he is someone that is clearly tapped into it and you see it, um, you know, not to take away anything from Kendrick, but you I you feel mean like Drick? right trick. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck are we? <laughs> um <laughs> You just see it in Dre's whole body of work is is the devotion to that, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. He sucks. Yeah, he's the worst. You know, I I called Dr. Dre yesterday and I said, "You want me to give you a lesson?" <laughs> and then he was like, "Sure." And I was like, "You're not talented enough." Oh snap! If he was more talented, I would probably teach him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. I'm gonna go back to that all day today, just to warn you. <laughs> I, I like it. It's okay because we're not recording an episode, so it's. Oh well, yeah, we're just chatting. Yes, oh, yeah, so. I forgot about that. It's cool. I I am not smart to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know, it's funny we're talking about Trey, and you know what's an interesting thing is I actually didn't know for a while that Trey had was a producer on this, and there was a part of me that was thinking oh, it's so great to see something that isn't somehow tied to him, you know, doing <laughs> this really badass thing. <laughs> and it's going to happen eventually because I think all of us, I think he thinks that way more than anyone. 
with the contribution that he has given to music over the last 40 years, I guarantee that Dre is sitting around going, man, I, I want somebody else. Who's the next Dre? You know? Yeah, pass the baton in a sense. Yeah. Um, and it was really kind of funny when I then heard, oh, no, Dre. As a matter of fact, I think I said to a student, I was like, man, this is like reminiscent of that old Dre shit. And he just looked at me and was like, uh, it is Dre. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're not finished with his with his era yet. Yeah, his legacy is still in, in, the, in the works here. <laughs> He's crazy. When you, because you worked with hip hop clients as well, is he, is there one name that comes up? Is it him or is it him and Tupac and Biggie and whatever? Or is it like, is he the kind of leader in that sense? I would say Diddles. Sure. Some P di- some P didnation. Such asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give him every name he didn't give himself. Pop <laughs> Daddy. Yeah. P diddles. Yeah. So I would say di- did diddles, <laughs> didskies. Sure. Uh, but but seriously, I'm I'm busting his balls. But uh, it, you know, um, you know, he obviously puffed it a lot, um, as well. And you know, I think I just I understand a little less what he did. Sure. Um, my understanding is, you know, I don't know. And, and I guess like the reason why I have this, uh, um, uh, this, this love for Dre, I think is because I really, you know, I always wondered. And then seeing that documentary and, and reading some other things, he really, he is me. He is what I w- want to be. Um, he is a musician who, um, you know, um, who really, really, really worked hard, um, learned the language and then began to compose and produce. And, um, you know, as far as, uh, diddle, diddle Winsky, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I respect the hell out of him and there are things that I've heard that I love that he did and things that he was associated with, but I'm just, not quite as familiar with his role. Sure. You know, I don't know how much of it is business or how much of it is sort of entertainment based or how much of it is production based or how much is creativity based. I'm not sure. But I know that Dre will give you every every single one of those things if you need them. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I guess I would I would have to say that. And I bet you there's a million people that would argue with me. But it's funny because the reason why I can't say any of those other people is because a lot of the people you named wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for him. Sure. So you named like Biggie and Tupac and I mean. Wyclef and yeah. 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 Like, you know, we we wouldn't have heard of him. You know? Sure. Uh, you know, you talk about Eminem. Wouldn't have heard of him. You know? Yeah. And I mean, who has made no qualms about that either of just like that he owes oh, his career to, yeah. to try like over and over again he has a whole song about needing a doctor um yeah, yeah and i'm pretty cool. sure recently didn't he produce another one of his recently not too long ago i think so yeah i think that actually came up on the discography yeah so you know he um yeah you know it's funny i've never actually talked about this out loud um i know that you know whenever people talk about hip-hop i always make the joke i'm like yeah dre sucks because <laughs> he's always been such a hero of mine but um yeah i don't know if there is anybody uh bigger and you know i you know this is one of those things and we invite it you know we want people to argue and to tell us we're wrong and oh for sure uh, and like know, He's just worn so many different hats, too. Like, if you want to say pound for pound a better rapper or pound for pound a better producer, like, I don't know if there's anybody 
that's done all of that that I can think of off the top of my head that like has done so much in so many different areas specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Cause even from a business standpoint, you know, um, you know, he seems to be a good brander. He seems to be a good networker. He just, it's just, he's just, he's got everything. Yeah. The guy, the guy's got everything. Um, he's like almost as cool as I am. Almost. Almost. Wait, what? So. What? Wee wee. <laughs> um, so yeah. So yeah. Um, so he was a producer on this album, which is very cool. I did, before we get into the album itself, want to talk about um, that he created his own samples on here. And we talked about the fact that Kanye creates a lot of his own samples and the ones that he doesn't create, he gives a ton of credit to. Yeah. Um, and we talked about the intention of sampling versus are people getting a little bit lazy about it, which is interesting that. Well, it's not that they're getting. It's that I believe that that's a place that it started from. And a lot of people are going to argue with that, too. And that's coming from a strange place because I love a good sample. But there are people that have made entire careers on it. And that bothers me. That's fair. And, it, and it, the reason why it bothers me is not. It's not for the reason that people would think. It's not like I'm like, you're stealing because they're not. I mean, you can't do that without paying. Without paying. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, and if you get away with it, that's weird. And I don't think anybody ever has, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, my whole thing is like, you, we were just talking about Dre and why I love him. You know, why would Dre never do? And again, I'm not saying he doesn't use samples, but he wouldn't use them out of laziness. Right. He wouldn't use them out of, I don't know how to make this thing I want to do, so I'll just steal this recording of somebody else doing this thing I want to do and then rap over it, you know? Um, you, you know, um, I bet you, Dre, those moments are more like, you know what? We could do this thing, but I got this thing. I got this sample that's exactly perfect. You know, he could have done it, but, you know. And, you know, what breaks my heart is my thing is like, it feels really awesome the first time you build something from nothing. Sure. This, you know, uh, whether it's hip hop or, you know, I've done hip hop, I've done, you know, pop, I've done uh, classical stuff and jazz and country and rock. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what it is. It's, it's that feeling of either a me having a client come in here and, you know, showing me their song on their guitar or their, or the piano and, and then us, you know, sort of melting it and morphing it into whatever it becomes when we're done with the final product. Or if it's just myself sitting down at the guitar or the piano and starting to write something and seeing where that goes and thinking of the uh, everything from the the um, y you know, the appearance of that of that initial motive until the day that I'm able to, like, show it to some friends, you know, and go, how do you like this master? Um and to be able to just sit there and go, you know, uh, depending on what it is, either I or we did this. And there's nothing like it in the world. And that's where my place is when I start busting people, uh, you know, about the overusage of samples. It's not. And it's not fair. You're stealing like that's not what it is. It's man. It's kind of like uh, smoking weed without the THC. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's like, man, you're going to get fucking high. Why are you doing that? Uh, just don't smoke then. <laughs> and, 
you know, and, and, and it's like, that's how I feel about that. It's like, man, if you're not going to make, if you're not going to make this, then don't make it. Right. If you're not going to make it. Don't half make it. <laughs> and again, once again, like I said, if there, you know, there are times and we talked about this before, there are times where I hear a perfect sample used in a perfect setting. And I think to myself, wow, there's really like nothing could have made this this cool. And so therefore, like there's a place for it. You know, I you know, it's a lot of time you use the word homage before. It's like, you know, they're paying homage to this previous artist or whatever. Um, and, you know, it was funny because when you used that before, I kind of went because uh, I was like, I don't think that's why most people do it. There are yeah, people well, that do it. We're talking are, about overusage of it and misusage yeah. of it when it is done right. It can be a way. Yeah. I've heard it explained from a hip hop artist to me that he views it as when it is done right. You know, keeping the roots of past songs and um, music alive in a modern context and yeah. and paying homage to that in, in a way. Um, but that can also be, when done wrong, a cop-out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we've also talked about this in other genres, too, of, you know, we were talking about Sinatra and Elvis earlier, which um, I think is, is something that's kind of a parallel here of, um, they created an entirely different way of performance on top of less original music, right? So, well, not less original, not original. It was original. It just wasn't theirs, right? <laughs> yeah, very fair. Not I mean, original. It, it was to all them. original music. Yes. Um, and so I, I think it's different because it's still. I mean, you know, in any performance standpoint, there are typically people in the room that write and people in the room that don't. It's rare for there to be, I don't know, like a Beatles. But even that, I mean, you know, Ringo, you, you know, the whole joke is every once in a while they would take his new song and put it on the refrigerator. Um, <laughs> that's adorable. You know, I mean, they hardly ever let him get, get involved with the writing. But we don't know how much that worked in the practice room. You know, there might have been tunes where he's like, hey, I'm paper, paperback writer. I want to play that time extra so I can do this drum toll here. And they all went, cool. You know, and, and all those little things that we don't even think about are all part of that writing process just because John or Paul most likely most of the time walked in there with this song doesn't mean that all four of them didn't go, Hey, you know, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, George, I'm going to put a sing I'm going to put a, a solo here. All right, cool. We'll extend this part a little bit. You know, uh, I don't know. George plays a riff and go, Hey, Hey man, what if we use this riff as like a transition? Yeah. You know what? That's pretty badass. Let's do that. Um, but I'd say that in a lot of situations, um, whether it's a band or an artist, uh, you know, and and back in those times that you're talking about Sinatra and, and Elvis, there weren't there wasn't that option. It was there was a band there. Right. Um, you know, you, you didn't have, you know, a big one. put the iPod on, you yeah. know, <laughs> well, big for Sinatra, small for, sure. for Elvis. Yes. Um but, you know, so, you know, they bring these songs in um, that, so, you know, a composer wrote just like they do 99 percent of the time with pop uh, with pop performers now. And then it's let's see what happens with this performance, you know, and I'm sure it's the same thing that would happen with an Ariana Grande now. Or, you know, if I show, if I went up to her, if I was lucky enough, I don't know, to get a writing session with Ariansky's. Um, I'm sure that I would sit there and go, Hey, I wrote this tune. And then within seconds, 
she'd go, well, what if I did it like this? She would do it like Ariana. And then I would probably love it and be like, whoa, that's fucking cool as hell. Let's do it like that. And that's kind of what I was talking about with, um, you know, with uh, Sinatra and, and Elvis, because the way I look at them, like, are they like amazing composers? Well, no, they, you know, um, I think Elvis wrote a couple songs and I don't even know if Sinatra wrote any. Um, and there was a long time in my life where I, I sort of didn't have respect for them for that, not realizing that that wasn't their role. Um, there was a performance thing, a unique performance thing. And that's what I was telling you before is, you know, when somebody said, here's this like really, um, corny sounding singer songwriter, a forties, fifties thing that we wrote. And then Elvis goes, I'm going to sing like this or whatever. <laughs> and like, you know, everybody was just like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, and, you know, he didn't have to be a writer necessarily in order to do the magic that he did because he single handedly changes the tra- changed the trajectory of music. And it wasn't by writing. It was by using these songs other composers were writing and then, you know, just, uh, you know, putting an extraordinarily unique style of performance onto it. And that, I believe, was the same thing earlier that um, Sinatra did in a lot of ways. And I said to you before, there were there were crooners and there were people using the word croon and things like that before him. And there are uh, several names. We talked about the Rat Pack. There are several names of people who are included in that, you know, that crooner world. But I don't think there's a person in this world, especially those of us like myself, that are not really too blown away by that style of music. Sure. For the most part. I mean, I never like to close off an entire thing. I love the song My Way. But, um, you know, that that sort of style that really made it, and, and even as rock and roll developed, continued to thrive through the 60s and continues to thrive today. There are still, especially in New Jersey and New York, in this area, there are people that, like people that are 20 years old that love Sinatra and that love listening to that style, that croonery style. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's where I, f- I think those guys were. It's interesting because to be able to have that much power to change music that much without writing is pretty incredible, I think. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, you could if you wanted to. You could. I'll let you. Okay, I agree. Seventy-five percent. That's too way. much. If you could just mm. agree, more like sixty-eight, that'd be okay. Good. That's fine. Um, I'm so glad we're not doing a podcast today. Oh God! Imagine that. That would be the worst. Ugh. I hate our. I hate our job. I know. It sucks. Sorry, um, sorry. So you're trying to ask me a question. I keep cutting you off because it's Well, fun. you know what's funny? I was looking at the track listing of this. Even though we're not doing an episode, I, for some reason, prepared like it was one. Hmm, that's weird. I can't tell you what the hit off of this album was. Do you remember or no? Do you want to take a look all at right, the track so listing? So I'll tell you this because I was looking at the track listing a couple of days ago. Let me see that real quick. All right. Was it? I don't know. I don't remember if there was even a single off of this. What's crazy is I like Damn a lot more than I did when it first came out. Um, When I first heard Damn, I liked it. 
but I really thought that it didn't compare to um, to Pimp a Butterfly to to Pimp a Butterfly, and I would actually say that at this point it kind of it it rivals it for me, um, but it was absolutely certainly a lot between Humble and Damn, and I mean he had probably what five or six singles off of that. Yes. And what's crazy is I do remember there being quite an explosion of people that were, you know, coming to me. Have you heard to Pimp a Butterfly? Have you heard of to Pimp a Butterfly? Have you heard it? Like everybody who like plays, I feel like for a year, we're like, have you heard to Pimp a Butterfly? Have you heard to And I was like, holy shit. And, it's, you know, before that was even over, Dam had come out and I went and listened to Dam and I was kind of like, you know, under impressed. Under impressed is the wrong word. I was like, oh, this is good. It's just, it's not going to be as good as The Pimp Butterfly. But I think if we were going to go through track listings and all those things, I think this is a very difficult one to do that with. And it makes it, <coughs> excuse me, actually very apropos to follow Pink Floyd. I agree. I agree. I feel like you really lose something if you listen out of context. But even when we talked about Pink Floyd... We were like, oh, that was money was on the radio from this. Right? I can't And time. And time. And is us and them on there too? Probably. Yeah, I think yep. so. But this I actually I can't remember. And to the credit of Pick a Vinyl and the podcast that we're trying to do, it's because I don't really listen to this as a one off very much. I really like I don't listen to any songs from this as a one off because I feel like you lose so much if you do. Like to listen to this front to back is so cool. Um, and such a different experience and, and more valuable, I think. And I try to do that with all albums, but like I can listen to, to Eminem, just a song sometimes <laughs> like there, there's plenty of other albums in hip hop that I can just take Jay-Z. I can definitely like a single sounds good to me or listen to it in a full album. I really don't want to do that with this. I I don't even see the value in it. Yeah, I really don't. Um, and it's funny because as I always talk about, whenever I go to the gym, you know, it's always that artist that I'm listening to. You know, sure. whichever artist we pick, we try to pick it. Like hopefully today we'll remember because even though we're not doing a podcast today, we'll probably do one next week. Right. Yeah. So hopefully we'll remember. Um, but uh, the, you know, I always go to the gym and and that's who I listen to. I don't just listen to the album. I listen to as much of their stuff that I can. Like I basically went through his entire catalog, catalogue. Um, <laughs> you put bigot dishing out a lot of nicknames today <laughs> and making up a lot of words, and I'm here for it. Boomage. Um, but anyway, um, and absolutely, when I was listening to that uh, one day earlier this week, I just started cracking up. I was like, I don't even know how we're going to do this track listing. I don't even know if we should bother. Let's not because. I don't see any possible way to me. This is one of the most. All right. So a lot of times I use this with students to try to get them to listen to records. You know, I'll be like, you know, I asked a student this week, I said, do you like Glee? Right. And she said, yeah. And I said, okay, you watched the first episode of Glee. Right. She said, yeah. And I said, why'd you watch the second? She goes, cause I liked the first. And I said, well, why didn't you just watch the first over and over again? And she goes, well, because I thought maybe because I watched the first and I liked it that I would like the second. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's so scary, though. What if you didn't? (laughs) (laughs) She was like looking at me like I had 10 heads. She had no idea what I was trying to prove. 
<laughs> and what it was is we had talked about an artist that we had discovered together. Well, I had knew, you know, known about the artist. I forget. I don't even remember who the artist was right now. But she went. Oh, it was. Um, oh, my gosh. Amy. Amy Winehouse. She realized she was into her. And I said, and, you know, I you're going to laugh at this. I told her you're listening to Simon. Go home. Listen to the whole album. You know how I do my spiel. Don't listen to it while you're doing homework. Don't listen to it while you're doing that. Lay down, you know, uh, you know, eyes closed, you know, focus on a record. Listen to the whole thing all the way through. That's what the artist wanted you to do. So do it. And then, give you know, come back and give me your feedback. And she tried to get me to believe that I told her to listen to a song or two. No, come on. <laughs> and I was like, that's just about the wrong thing to tell me because I've lived an entire life on fighting that. Like, <laughs> I would never have told you to do that. Like, and then yeah. I went through this thing. I, you know, and I'm still going on. I'm going, so you listen to the second one. Did you like it? She goes, I don't really remember. And I said, well, you didn't go to the third, did you? <laughs> she goes, I've watched the whole thing. And I go, how many oh is that? And she goes, I don't know, 100? I don't know. And I said, well, that sounds like a lot of wasted time. I hope you liked 100 of the episodes. <laughs> And she goes, there are a couple clunkers in there. And I said, ah, yes. And you just didn't watch them again, correct? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. And then as I'm going through all this, she goes, I could see her going. <sighs> <laughs> Many and, an and eye I roll in a lesson with you. But that one is, yeah, I can see that one. And, you know, I said, I said, you know, you know, I brought up the office. And that's even better because there's always a little bit of a timeline, you know. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, you wouldn't skip the episode where Michael, you know, uh, you know, Scott's tots. Yeah. Oh, like you that's wouldn't. That's the only one I skip. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't skip the episode where Michael left, you know. Right. Yeah, you, of course. You know, and and you wouldn't skip the episode where Andy left and came back. And. You know, and if you had thought about skipping episodes, you wouldn't have seen them to begin with, maybe. Sure. And, you know, my whole thing with all that is like, you know, why would you, you know, all we're doing is depriving ourselves from something that may affect our lives in a positive way. I've never had music affect my life in a negative way. Oh, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately, as soon as the words came out of your mouth, you were like, nope. Blink-182 came to mind. Uh, (laughs) Maury Povich came to my mind. That was a lie. (laughs) But, you know, um, and this is it's it's so funny that because I, I didn't do it on purpose. Um, I didn't pick this over damn because of the those very different qualities. I didn't realize how different they are. Now there's I mean, now there's three years out, out of damn. So there's like five years out of that out of uh, uh, to Pippa Butterfly. And I guess now there's enough time away where I can listen to the two of them and see, wow, there is really a lot of differences neither one of them is bad in any way yeah but you know it's a little bit more song based you know damn is a little bit more song based um, right i'll listen to just humble yeah at some point but i will never listen to anything on here by itself no, for the most it's part. Like, i can't even imagine i don't even know if i've ever listened to this record if i'm not either you know it was funny before we were hanging out before we ate and i put a vinyl on and we listened to a little bit of um Beck, right? Yeah, a little bit of Beck. Um, And, you know, and that's what I do every once in a while. And that would be one of the ones that I would put on. 
and you know listen to while I'm chilling out in here or or at the gym where I know I have an hour so I I can listen to this for the next hour and I know I'm going to listen to the whole record I'm not going to be cut off you know in song 3 or song 5 if I don't have time to sit down and listen to this record I'm not going to listen to it it's right. weird it's crazy I <clears throat> I love that about this album and I miss that about music in general a little bit where it's so amazing and wonderful that it's so available to us on demand, whatever song we want to listen to. But I, I do miss sometimes the preciousness of waiting for a song that you like to come on the radio. Cause you know, star went up 5.7 or whatever is always playing. It. <laughs> it's always playing it. At 5 p.m. Because, like, it's yeah. just so methodical like that. But what it being so available does, for me at least, is I I prioritize listens like to Pimp a Butterfly in that same way. So it's kind of cool because it's, like, the things that should be held in that regard that should be that precious, you intentionally kind of make that way, or I at least I do, whereas it used to be everything was that way. So it's kind of cool. Like, if I'm... If I'm driving and having a conversation over something, it's not this album. <laughs> no. That might be yeah. my my pop or whatever. Like my that might be a playlist mode. That might be a road trip playlist or whatever. But it's never this album. That's so funny you say that because I'm gonna be like, yeah, so blah. Yeah, you can't you can't. <laughs> you can't. I, I, this happens to me with TV. My sister and I were talking about this the other day. I'm a I'm a huge West Wing person and I'm like, I I can't put it on as wallpaper television. I will lose four hours of my day because I will. What the just... office is for? Oh, and not because it's not fantastic, but because you've seen that episode seventeen times already. Bingo! <laughs> I can, I can not look at the script of the dinner party episode and recite it to you. Like it's just so good. By the way, I just recently saw that one for oh my like God. the fifth time. I think it's my favorite one. It might it's... be the greatest episode in the history of uncomfortable sitcoms. Like. It's so fantastic. <laughs> when he pulls out his 13-inch television from the wall, yeah. I fall down almost he's every time. staring at He's so proud. Oh, my God. Oh, guys, I have a plasma. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I had finally treated myself. We should review um, Hunter's album, Jan's Assistant. You took me back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll be our next pick of Idol episode. Oh, my God. Hunter. That would be a great one. That one night. Um, so <laughs> funny. So, so funny. Actually, you would do a really good version of Jan doing that. I know oh you would. Oh, my gosh. We got to do it. We, we'll do a video. You know, and eventually, guys. My plan, and I'm going to say this out loud on the podcast because we... We're not recording an episode this week, Bill. Oh, I mean, eventually when, we, you know, guys, if you guys were listening, if we were recording, <laughs> um, my plan is to, like, it's sitting right here and you guys can't see it because... I do this all the time it's on right podcasts, here. by the way. I just pretend everybody can see Yeah. This. <laughs> can you see my GoPro? Oh my gosh, look yeah. at that. I've only had this for like five years and basically never used it. And eventually, we are going to have this stuff set up. We even have, what is that thing called that you Oh, we have here? like a little ring light now. Ring light. They used to, and it's big professional stuff, guys. Oh, yeah. I think I spent like $24 oh. on that ring light. So. Well, he can write that off. <laughs> <laughs> and you will. <laughs> You're damn right I will. I got my Amazon receipt for that. You yeah. know I do. You 
know I do. But you know, our plan that'd be so cool like, you know, and you know, you know, eventually we'll, we'll probably have a visual element to this, I'm sure. And, yes. You know. Absolutely. Um, but but yeah, uh, what what's his name again? From Jan. Oh, her her assistant Hunter. Hunter, that's right. It kind of is like Hunter, huge gap, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Can we just go and say that? I think so. I think we should think just go and fair. say that. I think Ken, if Kendrick was here, I think he'd be on the seat. He'd be like, "Look, man, I can't. No, I'm I no, can't. You I'm can't no put me hunter. In the, yeah, I'm no hunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, you know, it literally is. You know, more than almost anything modern, um, a situation where if I skip any track, it's like I'm taking a scene out of. Not one of those wallpaper wallpaper shows. That's a perfect way to put it. Those wallpaper shows you just keep it on in the background. But you think of I don't know Game of Thrones or, or West Wing or any of those shows that it's like you sit there basically with a notebook almost making sure you don't miss a spot. Um, it you know it's skipping a track on on to pimp a butterfly is doing that is skipping, you know the uh the red the red wedding scene in game of thrones. Yeah. Like you just don't know which incredible scene that completely ties into the rest of the record that you're going to miss by, by skipping it. It's- and it was very funny that we did this after pink Floyd too, because it's the same exact, I, as yeah. I was listening to this, like kind of ad nauseum preparing for this, I was like, it's, it's the same thing to me where it's, it's such a disservice to listen to it out of context. Like it, it really is so much more valuable. And there are, I know, I remember when Daft Punk came out with his, um, Hey Cooper, can you get me a water? Yeah. Coop. Can you get on that? (laughs) But there were, there were producers that Daft Punk was working with that came in just to, I can't remember which tracks they were, but just to, to bridge the gap between two songs that were in different keys. He just wanted to make sure it was like this, this very seamless thing. So he brought in a specific producer from like funk music to make that happen. And like, there's a great deal of intentionality that goes into creating something that is as cohesive as this is. So, um, give it the respect and listen oh, <laughs> to the whole freaking thing. And right? listen to it in full. It's it, a real really freaking Jersey podcast. Coming at you. Coming at you. Hey, coffee, eh? Uh, Cooper, oh. give me a coffee. <laughs> yeah. What the heck's going on with these oh interns today? Coop. It's like they're not here. I know. Between Shyla and oh Coop. Oh, my God. But truly. Um, Predmore, I'll get the water. Oh, Can you? Where is he? The only the only reliable one around here. I know. He's and, he, and he's never here. I know. That's all right. When Predmore gets here, I'll, I'll ask him to grab me some water. I mean, I'm, I'm so parched right now. I know between him and Darla, that's it. <clears throat> I don't want to get started on Darla, but look, this isn't the time. We're we're not doing a podcast. The right Darla now. sucks podcast as well. Be like oh, that's the next one. Oh. Like a vinyl, Darla sucks. <laughs> well, oh, hey, Darla. Hey. If we were doing a podcast right now, I would also want to bring up Damn because, as you mentioned, oh. it's a phenomenal album, but it is very different in the way that you can digest it. I feel like, like to me, it's it's also really great i do tend to like this album better i think because of the depth of it um but but damn it just gives me a different feeling like it 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 really gives me uh 
a little bit of cockiness, a little bit of an edge at points. <laughs> like yeah. it's a really, it's a really great <clears throat> listen, but another phenomenal listen and a totally different side of what Kendrick can offer you. Like it's, it really unveiled something completely different from this, in my opinion. And it's interesting when I first heard it, I thought, and my, my impression was, Oh, he went to, Oh great. You have a water, huh? I do have water. <laughs> I saw you trying to like sneak that. Thanks. Sure I don't say <laughs> um, the, it's so wild because I misinterpreted this as like too commercial. And it's funny because let me clear this up. I don't believe in the words too commercial because if something is great, I don't care how commercial it is. Um, that's the first thing I want to say. I'm definitely not one of those people who's like, man, they sold out. If the music is great, I don't care how marketable it is. If it's great, it's great. <laughs> Good for them. They yeah. made money and made great music. A rare thing. Yeah, and <laughs> and usually, like, when I say too commercial, to me, that means that they lost a little bit of integrity in order to provide themselves more income. So, and that was, like, my first impression when I heard Damn. And it wasn't like I was turned off by it. It was like I had lower expectations of it having the same in- impact that To Pimp a Butterfly did. But it's interesting. I think you and I have talked about my thing with the Foo Fighters, how I see a, I hear a song of theirs and I love it. And then two weeks later, I never want to hear it again. Yep. This had the opposite. I've, I very rarely had this. I heard it when it first came out. And I remember just kind of going, oh, okay. I guess Pimp is the album. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I listened to it a couple months later. I'm like, oh, okay. And then here we are prepping for this. And this is one of the many reasons we've talked about this a lot is why I love doing this. It, it, you know, uh, it, it, it puts us in a position to learn things, uh, even about things that we thought we knew, yes. you know, and there I was, you know, I listened to, to pimp a butterfly the first couple of days. And then the next day I was like, well, I'm not going to listen to that record every day. I want to, I want to really listen to all the, the, um, uh, the Kendrick that I love, you know, he's got those early EPs, which are great too. Yes. <laughs> they're by really, the way. They're, <laughs> they're great. Um, and, uh, you know, I was listening to one of them a couple of days ago. Uh, the one with like, uh, there's like a car on the front of it or something. I forget what that one was called. Um, but, um, what was the craziest thing is I went back and I'm like, Oh cool. I'm going to listen to damn again. And holy crap, it was it was brand new again. Yeah. And I realized like this is great. This definitely was more commercial. And my guess is it sold more. Um, but it is fantastic. Yes. You said it perfectly. There are probably five or six tunes that you could take out of the context of that record and still really love. Um, but as a whole, it's still a fantastic record. Yes, agreed it's entirely. Really great. And I I like when we get to see different dimensions of the same artist. I like the more sides to the dice that there are because we we mentioned Eminem before. I can't man, what an example of that. <laughs> As he's grown and like he's like, I'm just gonna do an album that's mostly about sobriety. Like another example of someone whose unbelievable evolution has just revealed all these different sides of who he is to me to pimp a butterfly and damn 
coming out back to back, and I think only two years apart. I think I, that's I think that's right. Yeah, fifteen and seventeen. That sounds right. To still be connected to who he is and the roots of who he is, it's very clearly his work still. Yep. But to showcase something that to me felt kind of completely different, I yeah. thought that was that was really cool to see that jump get made. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that because, you know, it was funny. You and I were talking about Beck before because we were listening to Morning Phase and I was talking about how that was the first time he ever got a Grammy and how he did an album that I almost see as like identical. Yeah. <laughs> early on or not early on, <laughs> like, but like 12 early, years apart, 12 years said, apart. Though, right? yeah, like that's pretty crazy. Called Sea Change. And it's a great, unbelievable album. And I remember listening to that when it came out and falling in love with it and you know, and his thing is very similar where it's like each album like has its own personality and he's got these personalities that he kind of goes back into like, I'm going to do a funk record and then I'm going to do something that's kind of electronic and then I'm going to do something that's like grungy and, you know, I'm going to do something that's kind of, you know, out there and then I'm going to do something that's singer songwritery and then he comes back around and like I said, Sea Change, I think, was his first sort of singer songwritery record. And then he came around in, in 2014 and did Morning Phase. And, uh, you know, he, he won the Grammy for it. Um, but similar kind of thing. And I think, you know, one of the things, you know, I write in a variety. Um, and I think the mistake that I've made throughout my career a lot is not realizing, not, not being able to compartmentalize it as well as Beck or... Kendrick did where it's like, all right, the aggressive, um, you know, up tempo, uh, you know, party tune goes on Dan. That doesn't go right. Uh, you know, the deeper, angrier sort of, um, you, you know, real uh, homage to the life I was brought up into that goes on to pimp a butterfly, you know, and <clears throat> same thing with Beck, where he's like, oh, my singer songwriter thing that goes on morning phase, you know, uh, the funky stuff I'll put on midnight vultures. You yeah. Know? And, <clears throat> you know, um, that. Yeah, that that is a very, a very interesting reality. I break towards to pimp a butterfly, I think, because there is so much dimension within itself over Dan. Loving them both, but to me, I, I think that's why I break toward this album. I feel like we get so many different shades of who he is just in this alone. You're a shade. How dare you? Yeah, I do. I do Jason, there. do you know what time it is? Hey, Jason. Yes. If there this was... is my diamond round voice. <laughs> Did you see on Celebrity Millionaire somebody won a million dollars for the charity that they were representing? Jerks. I know. We should get a million dollars for this. <laughs> hey, Jason, if there was one thing that you wanted listeners to take away from this episode and Kendrick Lamar, what would it be? If you only listen to hip hop, then allow Kendrick to show you the way into the rest of the world. Because I think that he is a great, um, you know, before I talked about his connection, his deep connection to his, 
to his African-American culture and how many different levels of that. Because if you even just take a sidestep into R&B or gospel and work your way back into funk and, and blues and things like that, um, the you know, world will open up for you in ways that you've never, ever imagined. Um, and if you don't listen to hip-hop and never listen to hip-hop, there's so many people out then there that do that. Then listen to this album because this may be a really good entrance into the hip hop world and understanding that, you know, you know, you and I have talked about there are so many. I and I used to be this kid. You know, it's not like I was never this guy. It was that one of my biggest fallbacks throughout my life was thinking that I knew which genres I liked and which genres I didn't. One of the most ironic things is is that hip hop was one of them that I didn't listen to. Um, and I was lucky enough to have Dre to help me with that. Um, and it's so funny cause here he is still today, <laughs> but, um, but I think that Kendrick is a really great guy. If you're into rock or you're into pop or you're into electronic or indie or whatever you're into and, you know, just give this the, to pimp a butterfly a really good chance because I think you're going to find the depth you're looking for. You mentioned it before, you know, there's a lot of that party hip hop. What people don't realize is the majority of what you consider like the the predominant cat catalog of a certain genre is all crappy. Yes. You know, I used to think <laughs> I, I hated country music because if you just turn on the random country stations and all you hear is like, you know, uh, red solo cup, you know, like. Oh all of Florida Georgia line. Yeah. I hate to do and you just I don't want to bury that, anyone, but like I get what you're saying. Yeah, and you just <laughs> think that it just like is it just sucks. And in you know, and then when somebody who really listens to country shows you like um you know, I don't know, Zach Brown band or Chris Stapleton or or people that are really Dolly. Oh my god. Well, that now you're getting old school. I was kind of <laughs> talking modern, but Sure. <clears throat> but, you know, there's there's great stuff in every genre. And it, you know, by us telling ourselves that we've decided to l block out an entire genre of music, and people just say that all the time. People do it with all kinds of art. Oh, I don't I don't do crime dramas. And it's like, what if you fucking like it, asshole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're only depriving yourself. Yeah. You know, it's not like your enjoyment of an art form is going to do anything for somebody else yeah <laughs> so i always found that weird because people get stubborn about it no i don't do crime dramas i won't do it and then you're just like well that sucks for you and only you <laughs> and just like maybe acknowledge the complex like you were saying though sometimes the thing that gets cataloged as the most representative of something actually isn't the most representative yeah. of it and it's again why we talk about genres being a dangerous discussion. It's like, well, maybe it's just maybe that one song or these 10 songs or these two years of it aren't your thing, but like go listen to something else that still falls under that category, mm. man. Cause there's so much out there. And I think Kendrick is an incredible unifier. Yeah. And I was going to say, what should people take away from this episode? It's I think what I say pretty much every episode, which is listen to the full album. No, <laughs> I was gonna, I, I was gonna say that, and I was like, you know what? I say that every week. I know, it's still important. It's as important this week as it was last time. So, yeah, yeah. Um, arguably more. Arguably more. Which is so weird. Which to is, say, is wild because yep. I, if you ask me, 
if you were to ask me, maybe until this moment in time, what's one album that I should listen to as a full album? I'd be like, Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side. Yeah. yeah without hesitation. Like, And I'm not disagreeing with that statement, but I could listen to Time if I had to. Yep. But I, I don't know if money. there's a track off of nope. this record that I would even want to listen to by itself. It's but. I was I was thinking about I mean especially as we're saying it out loud, but I was thinking about that earlier. Like if money is on the radio, I listen to money. But yeah. like, and I can listen to that just on a playlist somewhere. I, can't, I there's nothing on this I can do that with. Maybe hood politics, but no. Maybe hood politics. Maybe no, because that thing that comes after it. That's the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so no way. No way. Wow. It's crazy. That's a fun thing to say. All right, next question. Diamond round. Diamond round. Lightning round two. Book of Jacoby. What one album should listeners of this podcast absolutely listen to of Kendrick Lamar's? Okay, well, since we're doing To Pimp a Butterfly, I would say damn. Okay. I mean, are you looking at his thing right now? I'm not. I was actually going to say go back and dig into some of the EPs because I feel like everybody knows Damn. I actually, his 2012 one, Kaleidoscope Dream. That's it. Kaleidoscope Dream is really cool. Finessed in Red. uh, Oh, that just came out, right? Yeah, that was a 2019. You're a 2019. Wait, he's got an EP in 2019? I'm trying to think if this is. Are you freaking kidding me? I didn't even know. I know. This is like when we did Peter Gabriel, and I was like, wait. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, he has a three song EP that came out in 2019. What the frig? All right, well, I'm going to listen to that after this. We suck at this. We're not very good at musicking. Um,. What is one, I was going to say, what is one song that listeners of this podcast should absolutely listen to, but we just kind of squashed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there with him because you just got to, you know, it, like I said, it's like that, it's like that Tribe Called Quest thing. That was just that, that, that band would just mesmerize me and I would put it on and just, it was a certain mood and Kendrick fills that void for me today. Yeah. I'm in that vibe. There's a, there's a particular vibe. I can't describe it. I need Kendrick. Um, and I just need all of it. Not, not one thing. <laughs> sure. An underrated song or album from this band. It might be to pimp a butterfly. I think more people popped off at damn than they did at this. They definitely did. So um, I would maybe say that it's this, but if not, I would say that EP of kaleidoscope dream. If you were like already in on Kendrick for to pimp a butterfly, I would, uh, I would definitely go back and say, uh, kaleidoscope dream is the underrated one. In my opinion. You're a kaleidoscope dream. I am. Thank you. Wait a minute. Hold hold the phone. We're holding the phone. Da, 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 holding the phone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. First of all. All the money from Black all the the, the movie from Black Panther, the album. Yes. Music. I've never even heard that. I'm adding that right now. Boom. Um, and there, Tots on Jay. Um, where is this EP? Because I don't see the one you're talking about. Finessed in Red Three. Oh no, the Kaleidoscope. Oh, Kaleidoscope Dream. Yeah. It came out in 2012. I don't have this on my Apple Music. 
How funny is that? Do you spell kaleidoscope right? It's a weird word. No, I do, I'm just looking at <laughs> I'm looking at Kendrick. Oh, so it was it was Kendrick, Miguel, and Wiz Khalifa. Oh so no way! If, yeah. So it might be. Here's how it it comes up on Google. Okay, here's the one I was looking for. Because that that scared me too. Because I was like. I was like, well, 2012 is Good Kid, Mad City. Yes, which is also awesome. And that's, yeah, that's the one. And you know what's funny? Now that I think about it, I thought it was an EP. It's not an EP. No, that's an, yeah, that's a full LP, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And But Good Kid, Mad City, you know, I listened to both of them. And I totally agree with you. To Pimp a Butterfly was a thing where mostly musicians came to me and were like, dude, you got to hear this. Dude, you got to mm. hear this. And then Damn was when, like, everybody and all my students were like, ah, you know, Kendrick Lamar. Um, and it makes sense because it's much more tangible. Sure. Um, but so both of them, I think, are big in their own way. And I think most people that are going to hear this probably are at least aware of both of them. Sure. But if they aren't aware of Good Kid, Mad City, go back and listen to that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Are there any songs or albums that you just can't stand? No. Yeah. He's me another either. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're coming up. It looks to me like there's stuff I haven't heard. So I got to go back and listen to a, a thing or two, but nothing yet. No. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. There's going to be. Oh, there's going to be. We got a couple coming <laughs> There's on. a couple that we don't even want to do yet. We're arguing over it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of what people that might hear us say, uh, what they're going to think. There's a couple <laughs> bands out there, Kiss, that. Um, where though, if it's pick a vinyl, I would pick this vinyl. I would not pick this band as uh, even there being are on my a couple radar. Of, there a few. are some bands, Def Leppard, that <laughs> there. <laughs> as a matter of fact, there are some bands, Def Leppard, that were really cool and then started to really suck, Def Leppard, and then they got really famous, Def Leppard, and I hate them. I can't agree more, kids. <laughs> But it's okay. I don't. I don't get violent. No, 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 no. Like that. Well, we're yeah. not doing a podcast episode right now. So. Yeah, thank goodness, because that would not be cool. No, this would be a terrible episode of a podcast. I'm glad we didn't record it. This is the slowest lightning round in history. <laughs> well, that was it. That was the end of oh. lightning round. Um. Well, thank you for joining me for this discussion, Jason. Why, thank you, Katrid. <laughs> Rhymes with hatred. Can't K- forget it. <laughs> we have a friend named Kurt. We'll, we'll call him a friend. Kurtrick. I call him, yeah, I call him Kurtrick because he used to call me Catherine and my full name is Kate. And we had a friend that called him Kurt Tholomew, which I felt like took the cake. Kurt Tholomew, yeah. Kurt Tholomew, yeah. I hope he hears this immediately. If he does hear this, we're both going to die. Yeah, so. no, 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kurtrick, we love you. <laughs> what I love is to call him. Kirk. <laughs> hey, Kirk. <laughs> the captain. But it's all right because I get Justin all the time. So it's so weird. Yeah. Well, Jason, Justin, you know. But it's not like Jason is a really obscure name. I know. That's it's true. It's more popular it's, than Justin. Well, same thing with Kurt, you know. Yeah, but, but he gets Kirk sometimes, like Kurt, Kirk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, now you have some more Kendrick to listen to at the gym. So oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is really we're going to hang up the phone on that. <laughs> okay. Hate you. See you next time. Damn.